The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that that is, that is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw, the following, saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated as anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You are called to be Cephas, which is translated as Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The reading today is, uh, of course, we've had from Corinthians, from Isaiah, but John's Gospel is something which we have been following since the Advent season. When I say John the Baptist, that immediately rings at your mind, the bell that rings is, he's a weirdo, his lifestyle is different, he eats locust, he lives in wilderness. So all these things just play out so powerfully because almost in all the Gospels we hear John the Baptist screaming out the message of repentance the message of forgiveness, uh, the message of hell, that you shouldn't be like you know, destroyed, or, but you should be saved. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, you will be saved. So you get to see this kind of uh, scenario or trend or his tone in almost all the Gospels. But in John's Gospel, he takes totally a different stance, a totally different position. If you ask me uh, the verses that we read uh, from 29 to 42, I see it like a play in three acts. So John the Baptist here, as I said, takes a totally different position, saying he, he doesn't even like uh, preach there about the message of forgiveness uh, or about Messiah or the anointed one. 
nothing of that sort. He goes to an extent of saying, I myself do not know him. I myself do not know him. We have seen during the Advent season how he was talking about preparing the way in the wilderness because the one who is coming is greater than me. I'm not worthy uh, to remove his sandals like that. But here he says, I myself do not know him. At least twice in those verses he repeatedly says that. So it just amazes me like the guy who's been preaching a lot and suddenly he takes a different position saying that I myself do not know him. I think for John the Baptist in other gospels it is about public proclamation telling that he is the Messiah, he is the anointed one. But when it comes to John's, John's gospel, it is more of a kind of stepping back and witnessing to this Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. The opening verse we see, here comes the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's seeing, he's witnessing who this Jesus is, and now he's bearing a testimony to that witness, to what he had seen. He goes far as to say, I do not know, he wouldn't even care to ask people who Jesus is, but now in the verses, if you see, he says, I was told that I'm supposed to see someone who is getting baptized where the doubt descends on that person and that is the one to determine and to say that he is the anointed one. So all that John the Baptist is trying to do here is to witness and to bear testimony to what he had seen. The question we have to ask this morning as John the Baptist, as I say, he's here only to testify Jesus. So what are we testifying in this world? We see a lot of things we witness. Let me put it in a biblical term. We witness a lot of things. So how do we reflect? How do we transmit them? How do we testify that in our conversations when we see those people? How do we actually, how does this play out is, would be my question this morning because John had seen, witnessed, and he's testifying that. And he's telling to his disciples, here comes the Lamb of God and their lives are totally changed. Coming from third world country, I know what is poverty. I know uh, the discrimination. I know the gap between the rich and poor. I know about racism. I know about the color. I know about uh, uh, victims of war, victims of violence. Every one woman in four persons are uh, victims of domestic violence. And I know people who are not even making wages um, less than $10 a day. And we are in a nation which spends uh, close to 780 to $800 billion on defense, more than on the Medicare. So, so many things are happening around the world, a lot of crime, a lot of violence. So what are we witnessing and what are we testifying? 
What are we witnessing and what are we testifying? World, we see brokenness everywhere. But John the Baptist is trying to testify, even in that brokenness, the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the love of God can fill in those spaces, can bring that healing, a holistic healing to such people. And we are called to witness that and testify as a church. In one of the books, Witness to Preaching by Tom Long, makes four claims, biblical views, about testimony. Because when we say witness testimony, we think of legal drama so much. We know you have to go stand in a witness stand and say. But according to a biblical standard or biblical way of putting understanding testimony is, testimony can never be a volunteer. Testimony is something you are summoned to do. It is not something you volunteer or just have to do, but you are told to do, because from the Old Testament tradition, even in the uh, epistles, if you see, people were told, prophets were told, how they take the message of God, what they've received, and they've conveyed it to people. They were summoned to convey that to people. And secondly, the testimony what you witness, it is not merely of your personal experience, but it is the story of God, the claim of God on human life. Most of the times I see people, when they tell the story, it's all like 95% it will be their story, only 5% it will be God saved me, or by His grace. Of course, grace save all this we talk, but sometimes we give more preference, more importance uh, to our experience, forgetting the importance of God. So the second biblical view of looking at testimony is more, less of human experience and more of God's claim on humanity or God's claim on human life. And thirdly, a testimony, what you witness, it should be of a public benefit. It is not just to me or myself or to my family. Oh, I received something. We are doing great, good. We got something. It's not like that, but it is of more of a community. It is more of public benefit it should be. And finally, he summarizes, it is not merely about words, but it is both words and action. It demands words and action to summarize what you witness should become a testimony of your life. Your life is bound to become a testimony what you witness in your life. The saving grace or the healing or the brokenness, how we are experiencing God, how we are abiding and dwelling in God is what a biblical testimony would be. When John the Baptist is telling to his disciples, here comes the Lamb of God, Andrew immediately starts following Jesus, and Jesus looks at them and says, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? This is a good question we all of us should ask this morning. What are we looking for when we come to church? What are we looking for? And Andrew uh, says, where are you staying? The answer is, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. 
In Greek, there's a word like blepo to see, and there's a word for come, but these two words put together, it is like not merely going there to stay, but rather the disciples wanted to dwell, remain with Jesus. That kind of relationship what these disciples are expecting. Which is why Jesus is not giving, a, oh, I live in Big Band or I live here. He's not giving that kind of uh, explanation. Or in Ferguson. He, that, that, that your location is not what um, he's giving, but he's telling, come and see, which means he's inviting them to come, to dwell, to remain and abide with him. So this whole pericope of 29 to 42 verses is something what we have to wrestle with, asking the questions, what are we looking for? They were, the disciples were looking to have a relationship with Christ, to dwell with him, to stay with him, to abide with him. And he's inviting them, come, stay, be with me. But if we are looking for something else, then we are not having that relationship with Christ. And our life is not a testimony to what we have witnessed in our lives through the saving experience of God. So the two questions that leaves us this morning is, what are you looking for and what are you testifying in this broken world, in this brokenness? I was reading in one of the books in 1920 in Oklahoma, they had this, the farmers had this practice. When the weather gets really bad, uh, when they go into the farms, to the fields to check, sometimes they get lost and they cannot make way back to their homes. So what they used to do is, they used to tie a rope to their house, to one of the windows, and then they used to take that rope to the end of the farm, wherever it is, how far it is, just that rope. So when the weather, the gusty winds, it's, when it's really bad, they take the rope and reach the place, they check everything and they get back. While I was reading that, I was just reflecting, the world out there, the house is safe. The house is safe. The farms, the field out there is dangerous. It's violent. There may be wild animals. Many things are happening to the crops. But once you go there, sometimes you get succumbed. Uh, sometimes you get lost. Uh, last Sunday, I was talking about the voices. How in the baptism time, the Spirit says, this is my uh, beloved son with him. I'm well pleased. But we don't listen to that voice often because other voices dominate us. Similarly, when we go into the world, there are other things which just dominate. It, it, just, it just makes you to forget what is your safe place, what is your relationship with God. All that you tend to forget and you just are lost there. But this rope is a kind of connection from there to here that you can get back to the safest place or safest spot. I would say that would be the church. Church is the body of Christ. It bears a powerful witness to the life, work, and ministry of Jesus Christ. And this church embodies the presence of Christ in the brokenness of the world. That is where the church belongs. 
And we are the body of Christ. And we have to make a presence felt in that brokenness, wherever it is. In that brokenness, if you're present, the God's presence will give that healing, will make it into whole and put you back in that right relationship with God. So what you witness has to testify as a testimony in your life. Keep looking for that kind of brokenness in ourselves around us and make your presence felt. Make your presence be felt in that brokenness. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.